I've subtitled this message this morning, Here Comes the Glory. Here comes the glory. We're in the Old Testament. We're in a minor prophet named Haggai. It's a very obscure book. He's, one, he's considered one of the minor prophets, not because he's not important, <clears throat> but because his body of work, the book of Haggai, is, is, is smaller in comparison to that of the prophet Isaiah, the prophet Jeremiah. So they consider them minor prophets, not because of their impact, but because of what they gave us in the book to understand. We're in Haggai chapter 2 is where we're going to end up today. How many of you have have a desire to see the glory of the Lord? And you have to be careful when you say that. Because the glory of the Lord may not happen in 90 minutes. The glory of the Lord may cost you a little more than what you're willing to give. But there's something about the power of the glory of God that is meaningful to God. Hear me this morning. That God does what he does for one reason, for his glory. That God is a glory-seeking God. I need you to understand, he is a glory-hungry God. As a matter of fact, eight different descriptions in the Bible, they describe him as glory. Watch this. he's, He's called the father of glory. He's called the glory of Israel. He's called the glory of his people. He's called the God of glory. He's called the king of glory. He's called the Lord of glory. They call him the one who is majestic in glory. And they also call him the spirit of glory. Why? Because everything God does, he's doing for the express purpose of receiving glory. God loves his glory. And the truth is, if you and I ever step into his glory, we'll love it too. If you've ever been in an overwhelming place where the presence of the Lord, the raw glory of the Lord comes into a room, you know that it is terrifying and satisfying all at the same time. You're scared to death he's going to strike you dead, but you're scared to death of missing that moment in his presence at the same time. So it's worth the risk. See, the thing that God asked, the question that God asked over, over, and over, and over again is, how can I get maximum glory? Hang with me. Here comes the glory of the Lord. How can I, God speaking, get maximum glory? And here's what I've learned in 45 years of living, that most often he will get maximum glory when he takes me through very deep and dark and heavy places. It is in the situations of my life where I feel the most afraid, the feel the most broken, the feel feel the most of anxiety, wondering and fearful and terrified, where things come into my life that I did not plan for, I did not know was coming. Those situations, those difficulties in my life, they are there for the express purpose of God bringing me to a place where he can receive maximum glory. Let me prove it to you in the text. How in the world can you know that he is the God that healeth all your diseases if you never get a cold how can you know that he is the God that will provide and sustain you if everything you need is already supplied according to your ability for he will put us in situations he will put us in climates he will put us in places where even when we're standing surrounded by our enemies he will prepare a table for us in the presence of said enemies because he knows that if in spite of the enemies around you if you will have the faith to sit and eat you'll give him the glory for what you're consuming in spite of the people that are trying to consume you 
This ought to be good news for those of us that are in the room or watching today that are going through very difficult, challenging seasons. Hear me today. Because this is an indication that tough situations are no longer random. That the reason he brought you to that tough situation is because he's looking for maximum glory. It should be exciting to you to know that these, these things, these things that happen in our life are no longer purposeless activities or just random adversities, but they're all there for the express purpose. God has allowed them to come into our life for the express purpose of him receiving maximum glory. So the greater, the tougher, the harder my situation is, is because God is about to release a greater, a more increased amount of opportunity for us to give him the glory that is due his name. Glory. Interesting. We don't talk about it a whole lot anymore in the church at large. <clears throat> but the word glory in the Hebrew, it means it is kabod. This word kabod, it means the weight the heaviness of the, of the presence of God in our life. We find it in the book of Psalm chapter 19, verse 1. The Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of the Lord and the firmament shows his handiwork. In the Hebrew, this word kabod, it means to have weight, to have significance. Could it be the reason why we haven't seen the glory usher into a room is because we haven't carried it with the weightier things. We haven't seen it with greater significance. We're excited that the preacher is there when we what we should be desiring is for the presence of God to be there. God's eternal significance is seen in the fact that he brought a universe into existence. That's what he's saying in Psalm 19. That, that, that he brought the entire universe into an existence. And then in the New Testament, we see this word in the, in, the, in the Greek called doxa. And here's what that word doxa means. It means to bring honor, to bring dignity, or to bring praise. That, that the God who created the universe and sent his son for our rescue is to be praised because of who he is and because of all that he has done. And it must carry significance and weight in our life if we want it. It's an interesting passage of scripture in the book of Exodus chapter 33 where Moses is now having a conversation with God. And he looks at him in verse 18 and he says, listen, I want to ask you a question, Father. Please show me your glory. Show me your glory. This is a very audacious statement because he doesn't say, I'm assuming because I'm in your presence that I get to see your glory. But he's saying, now that I'm in your presence, what I really want to see is your glory. And he doesn't demand it. He says, please, God, of all the things you could show me, of all the things you could give me, the one thing I desire is your glory. I want you to think about the man that is asking this request. This is the same man who saw a burning bush on fire that he had to take his shoes off to hear the I am that I am. Get your shoes off because where you stand is holy ground. He is now saying, I thank you for the burning bush experience of my life where I found the great I am. But what I desire more than another burning bush is your glory. 
This is the same man that God anointed through 10 miraculous plagues. He watched, he watched frogs. He watched pestilence. He watched water turn to blood. He watched the, the blood be able to protect the people of God on the doorposts and the lintel. And the firstborns all die. He saw miracle after miracle, sign after sign, wonder after wonder. But he's standing in the presence of God going, I thank you for all the miracles and the deliverance you brought into our life. But what I really want is not another miracle. What I really want is your glory. This is the same man that stood at the Red Sea and with one uh, staff in his hand and his hand lifted in the other with Pharaoh's army coming behind him. He lifted his hand and watched the waters depart. And the Bible says that not only him, but the million or so people that followed him, they walked across on dry land and then they watched the water close behind him and swallowed their enemies up in that Red Sea. But he's standing before God and his desire was not to see another Red Sea part. What he wanted it was the glory of the Lord this is the man who followed the cloud by day that shaded him from the heat of the sun in the de desert arid dryness of the moment who's following the cloud of God and then at night it ignites into a pillar of fire and it then warms them in the, in the coolness of, of, the, of the desert situation in their life. He did not want another cloud in this moment. He did not want another fire in this moment. The one thing he asked God in spite of all those things is God, please show me your glory. This is the man who led an entire nation that were full of the promises and the people of God. They woke up every morning and God would send his angels and he would feed them manna from heaven every single day. They got meal after meal, meal after meal, meal after meal. And here he is standing before God going, I don't want another ounce of manna. What I really want in my life, manna can't solve, Red Sea can't solve, the plagues can't solve, the burning bush can't solve. What I need, oh God, is for you to show me your glory. <coughs> I want your glory. My halls went down the wrong pipe. <coughs> I want your glory. Um, and I want you to see God. He says in verse 19, he says, Hey, that thing is really lodged. <coughs> Aren't you glad it isn't Corona, Antoine? <clears throat> he says, son, I can't show you my glory because you can't see my glory and live. You can't live if I release my glory. There is a level of sacrifice and a surrender that must happen in your life and you must no longer live. But the only way you survive this glory is Christ living in you. That's what he'll say in the New Testament. <clears throat> he says, no, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to show you my glory, but what I am going to do is I'm going to let my goodness pass before you. Mm. Most of us are crying out for God's glory. But what he's really trying to do is get us to see how good he is. Can you find his goodness? 
in your situation. Oh, Psalm 27, 13 is tapping me. That I would have lost heart had I not believed that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. All you see is the division, is all you see is the calamity, is all you see is what's wrong, is all you see is the propaganda of the day to give us fear, to give us anxiety, or can you find the goodness of the Lord even in the middle of our tough situations? I will make my goodness pass before you. And if you can't see my goodness, how in the world do you expect to survive my glory? It's so hard in 2020. I hate 2020. 2020 is terrible. It was good for us that we have been afflicted because most of us wouldn't want to come to church. But now that we don't have much of an option, come on. Most, most of us complain about going to Thanksgiving. And now somebody has told you that you can only have five. What we're going to do Thursday is we're going to have a Thanksgiving protest. Hallelujah. Everybody gets to show up to the protest. And what it is, that protest is going to turn into cannibalism. Hallelujah. And now you're like, oh, you can't tell me. I'm going to Thanksgiving. Bless God. I'm cooking five turkeys. Hallelujah. We're going to be in there. I dare the police. Officer. I dare the popo to show up at my house. Come on in here. I'll give you something. That, you, you heard it. Some of you have said it. That moment that they pull it away is the moment that it becomes valuable to you again. We can't find the goodness. My God, I just want to go to a restaurant and sit down and not have to wear a stupid mask to get there because I can only catch Corona from the front door to my seat. Once I sit down, there's a spiritual supernatural bubble that sits over my booth. Hallelujah. All is well once I sit down. Come on. And now we value looking at each other in the face. Do you know how many times I've stuck my tongue out at people? And they never knew it. How many times I've told somebody how stupid they look? You look so stupid. I hate your guts. I don't hate them. I love them. I just don't like them sometimes. <clears throat> But it is amazing when we go into places and seasons where things are pulled from us. See, you didn't value that husband until he left. You didn't value that wife until she was no longer a part of the equation. You didn't value that time with grandma until now you can't get to grandma in the nursing home. Come on, you see what I'm saying? You understand <clears> that we can't value the ministry experience to be able to be with each other in fellowship with one another. Why? Because, because once it's pulled from us, then we recognize the significance of the value. And God is saying, how in the world can you handle my glory when you cannot find my goodness in your situation? I promise you I will be gracious to whom I'm gracious to, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Here's what God is saying. He said, I'm giving you goodness even in tough situations for my glory. I'm giving you grace in tough situations for my glory, and I'm releasing compassion to you even in tough situations, and it's all because of my glory, because on the other side of this thing, you are going to rejoice for how hard you had it. when he says you can't see me and live 
You cannot see me and live. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to make my glory pass before you. This is not my sermon, so I need to hurry through this because I feel like I have a prophetic word over this house and the ones watching today. <clears throat> he says, what I want you to do, and the only way you're going to survive this is you're going to have to stand on the rock and you're going to have to be hidden in the cleft of the rock. You're going to have to be on the rock and in the rock at the same time. Your foundation is going to have to be the rock, and you're, you're going to have to be hidden in the rock. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to put my hand on you. Anybody glad to have the hand of God on your life? The only way we're going to survive this thing is to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord because he is a sure foundation. But then we also are no longer just standing on him. We're also hidden in him if any man be in Christ. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things are made new. I don't want to just stand on Jesus. I also want to be hidden in him. And then he said, I'm going to put my hand on you. And when I pull my hand off, I'm going to let my goodness pass before you. Whoa. This is a powerful principle. The hand of God lifts not because of what happened wrong, but because God wanted to give you pure and clear perspective of what he was doing good in your life. For you to see his goodness, sometimes he has to lift his hand. Oh, God, I hope you get this. I've been preaching to teenagers for two days. I hope you get this deep water. Sometimes he has to lift his hand just so you have the right perspective of how good he is. Sometimes he removes his hand just so you can see clearly how good it is to have his hand on you. He says, I can't show you my face. Because if I show you my face, it'll kill you. If you knew where God was going in your life, it would destroy you. He said, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to lift my hand, and when it happens, I want you to see my back. The face is a picture of where God's going. The back is a picture of where God's been. He said, I'm going to lift my hand so you can look back and see just how good goodness and mercy was following you. You're going to be able to look back and go, huh, if it had not have been for the Lord on my side, my enemies would have swallowed me up. But look at how good God has been to me. And then something happens in 1 Samuel where a moment where the Bible says that Ichabod took place. The glory has been departed. And I don't have time. But this glory lifted, this encounter with Moses is now gone. And the Ark of the Covenant is now hidden and pulled away. And, and now Ichabod has been created because they realized that they were in a season, they were in a place where there was no glory. Why would we come to his house if the king of glory is not going to come in? Why would I live in such a sacrificial way if I never get to see the Lord of glory revealed in my life? Why would I pray? Why would I fast? Why would I read? Why would I crucify my flesh and not allow myself to be yielded to those things if I'm never going to have 
an opportunity to come in to the glory of the Lord. Haggai chapter 2 verse 6, watch this. Ichabod has now taken place. Ichabod has now taken place. <clears throat> and then the prophet begins to prophesy. He says, thus saith the Lord of hosts, once more. And it's going to be a little while. But once more, I'm going to shake heaven and I'm going to shake earth and I'm going to shake the sea and I'm going to shake the dry land. And verse 7, I'm going to shake the nations. And before you see my glory, there must first come a shaking. But you should not be afraid of the shaking. What you should be is expecting for the glory to come after the shaking. So the shaking can freak you out. Or the shaking can create expectation in your heart that the reason he's allowing this to happen is because there's a new glory coming. The reason he's allowing this stuff to take place is because here comes the glory. I, I know things are shaking. I know stuff is going on. I know we can't figure out what's happening here or what's happening there. And I know we're trying to trust in doctors and we're trying to trust in all these other people. But the people of God should see the shaking that is happening in our world and in our nation and go, oh my goodness, this shaking is taking place because it is a precursor to an outpouring that we've never seen before. Here comes the glory of the Lord. And the more shaky it gets, the more glory he's going to reveal. The shakier it gets, the more glory is going to be revealed. The shakier it gets, the more glory. He said because the shaking, look at the text, is to bring them to the desire of all nations. Capital D, which means this is a name. That what he's about to do, the reason the shaking is taking place, is to conjure up our desire for the desire of all nations. Let me tell you what the nation needs. The nation needs Jesus. Let me tell you what Corona needs. Corona needs a good dose of Jesus. Let me tell you what the, the Republicans need. It's Jesus. What the Democrats need is Jesus. What the White House needs. Jesus. What the Congress needs. Jesus. What North Carolina needs. Jesus. What South Carolina needs. Jesus. What Judah Church needs. Jesus. What your house needs. Jesus. What my house needs Jesus and he will bring us the desire of the nation anybody in love with Jesus give him a praise in the place today uh, I'm going to bring them to the desire of all nations look at what he says and then I'm going to fill the temple here comes the full house and the house is going to be filled with something significant. It's going to be filled with glory. Not just signs. Not just wonders. Not just miracles. Not just money. Not just people. Not just tradition, but he's going to fill it again with glory. Look 
at what he says in the next verse. The silver is mine. The gold is mine. What the prophet was doing on behalf of the Lord was telling them, don't be discouraged if they didn't have the money for what it is that God was about to do in the building of his glorious kingdom in the church. In other words, you've got to learn to trust the God who owns all the resources. You must learn to trust the God who owns all the resources. This is why we're not backing up at Judah. You didn't hear what I said. This is why we're not backing up at Judah. This is why we're not, this is why we're putting stewardship story after stewardship story after stewardship story. Why? Because we're showing you in real life living examples that the silver is God's, that the gold is God's, and these people are trusting God in spite of what they see, and God is proving himself faithful time after time after time after time. This is why we're getting ready to start a building campaign. I can't wait to show you the pictures of the new building coming in. Why in the world would you do it? Because the bigger the building, the more glory gets in the room. The more glory gets in the room. Look at what he says in verse 9. Come on, Antoine, I'm done. I'm going to give a full house of glory. But let me qualify. The glory of this latter house <laughs> is going to be greater than what you've seen before. I feel the Holy Ghost. When I prophesy things like outpouring and revival, don't rewind to what you've experienced and think that's what's coming. But there's another awakening. There's a, what the old church called a latter rain that doesn't look like the former rain. And if you need to God to show up like he used to, you worship a formula. Not a God who is ever increasing hear me I feel like prophesying now there is a new release of glory on the way I need you to hear me I was talking to one of our sons in the office just a few minutes ago I said son you need to understand I, I'm different now I'm not the same man I was on the other side on the front side of Corona I've gone through too much and I've become too hungry to have a church full of people who have a great experience but never have an encounter. I can't save you, I can't heal you, and I shouldn't have to be able to preach you in the calisthenic faith. And we get in here and we dance for the sake of dancing, we praise for the sake of praising, but we never honor the one who deserves all the honor. I'm different. I'm different. We said I had a lengthy conversation earlier this week. We're different. I, I have a hunger. That, you know what they told me? They told me when I was 18, when I truly had an encounter with God, oh, when you get in your 20s, you're going to calm down. That's what they told me. <clears throat> well, it didn't work. And then I started youth pastoring. And then all the mentors around me said, listen, I know you jump up and you scream and you run around and you stand on top of pews and all this other kind of stuff. And you got all this uh, ADD stuff. 
But when you get into your 30s, you're going to calm down. Well, the problem is, y'all, I made it through my 30s. And I didn't calm down. And I had people tell me, listen, something happens at 40. Well, something happened. And when it happens at 40, your body's just going to change. And you ain't going to be able to do all that running, that shouting. You ain't going to be able to do all that preaching, running around, flying in here, coming in at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. At 40, you ain't going to be able to do all that. Well, I'm halfway through 40. And I told my wife this way. I said, I feel like I'm more saved. That's the truth. Because some of y'all in my 20s, I'd have cut you. Or I would have at least slit your tire. I'm halfway through 45, and son, I'm not calming down. I'm more hungry for his glory than I've ever been. And I feel like I have the heart of God like I've never had before. We don't need another bubblegum religious conversation. What you need, what I need, what our children need is to see Shekinah come into the room again and change everything. And what he's about to do is greater than we've ever seen. Let me give you the word in the Hebrew. That word greater, it means this, exceedingly larger exceedingly stronger, exceedingly weightier, and exceedingly louder and older, and it is exceedingly of a higher rank what I'm about to release in our world. Somebody lift their hands and say, do it, God. Somebody say, do it, God. Do it, God. Shut up, I hope, say, hey, do it, God. Y'all, mama, mosique, hey, do it, God. Do it, God. Do it. Do it. I got a warning for us before we move into worship. Here's what I heard Holy Spirit say Friday morning. And I had to write it down because I didn't want to get distracted from the other ministry that I had to do this week. Here's what Holy Spirit said to me Friday morning. He said, there is a national revival being birthed. Mm. We're not going to run to Pensacola. We're not going to run to Toronto. We're not going to run to Azusa Street. There is a national revival revival being birthed not about to be hear me and he said that it will unrival it will be unrivaled by previous outpourings hear me and the Holy Spirit said to me he said the power of this outpouring will be in the clear demarcations of the church splintering by down two distinct paths The church is going to split. Wheat 
and tares. Sheep and goats. Form of godliness and power. It will be a book of Acts church with end time manifestations. Or it will be a church that has become institutionalized in their Christianity. The Holy Spirit said, watch this, never heard this term before. He said, son, they will become modern day messianic Pharisees. Modern day messianic. They love Jesus and they're contemporary, but they are religious and they can't even see God standing in front of them. Watch this. And the two churches will turn on each other and think each other is absurd for not being where the other one is. One will be crying, Ichabod, where's the glory of the Lord? And the other will be on their face crying, Bethel, this is the place where God is dwelling. Hear me. Here's what Holy Spirit said. He said what will be amazing is that this will not be seen in denominational distinctions. What will be amazing is it won't be a glory hub in one church and a non-glory hub down the road, but it will be Ichabod and Bethel in the same building. Help us, God. That in the same experience, there are those that are having an encounter with God and others are standing there going, what's she screaming about? Why are they crying out the way they're crying out? I don't feel the glory of the Lord in the same room. The question is, not which church are you going to be? Because <laughs> this is no longer about church. This is about outpouring. This is about presence. This is about glory. Will you be the one that continues to come and never enter in? Or will you be the one that enter in and never wants to leave? And I said, God, how do we get the glory to come in. Here's what he said. He said, son, giving me glory is what births me releasing my glory. Let me give it to you in the text. Psalm 102, verse 13. That you and I, you and I will arise and have mercy. That God will arise and have mercy on Zion. Watch this. From the time, from the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come. There is a set time where God is about to release an outpouring. There is a set time and the Holy Spirit is saying the time has now come. And listen to me. He's saying I have allowed the timer to go off and I'm about to move us into a birthing of revival like the earth has never seen before but has been groaning for. And here's what Holy Spirit said. 
the church has been in nine months of birthing pains. We've been in nine months of contractions. And some of us, we're so afraid to miscarry that we've remained bedridden. Oh God, you know where you're watching this this morning. We're so afraid of miscarrying it that we have allowed ourselves to become bedridden for Jesus' sake. But I heard Holy Spirit like a woman whose waters broke. Like a woman who has now gone full term and her water has broke. Listen to me. This year has been full of contractions and this is not Braxton Hicks. This is not a fake thing. This is not a conjured thing. This is not some physical thing. He's in his 40s. He's going through some kind of adjustment. This is his midlife cry. He, I'm telling you that there is a fullness of being birthed. And this is, this is not the time to ask for the epidural to not allow the pain to come. This is the time for you and me, for every prayer team member, for every praise and worship member, for every elder, for every leader to not look for the way out, but to push for his presence and glory to fill the room. So Psalm 29 verse two, we must ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Look at verse three, for the God of glory thunders. Oh God, thunder in this place. Oh God, raise this place. Allow the glory to come into this place and flood us and thunder. Let the lion roar over this house, oh God. How do we get the glory? Stand with me all over the room. How do we get the glory? <laughs> you ready? You ready? Here comes the glory. You ready? Here it comes. Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be ye lifted, ye ancient doors. Why? That the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? He's the Lord strong and mighty. He's the Lord mighty in battle. I'll say it again. Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be ye lifted, ye ancient doors, that the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? He's the Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Somebody give him glory in the place. Somebody give him glory in the place. Somebody give him glory in your place. Somebody give him glory. The more glory we give, the more glory he releases. The more glory we give, the more glory he releases. Glory, glory, glory to you, oh God. Oh! 
somebody lift their head. Somebody lift their head. Somebody lift their head. You're looking too low. You're looking too low. You're looking too low. You're looking too low. Lift up your head. Look above that sickness. Look above that rejection. Look above that. Lift up your head, oh ye gates. Here he comes. Here he comes. He's higher than politics. He's higher than corona. He's higher than sickness. He's above all that. Somebody just lose yourself. You have permission to lose yourself. You have permission to walk. You have permission to kneel. You have permission to get on your face. You have permission to cry. You have permission to shout. You have all for his glory. Slip up those hands. Slip up those hands right there. Slip up those hands right there. Woo. Here comes the glory of the Lord. <laughs> Woo. Here comes the glory of the Lord. Woo. Sweeping in the room. <laughs> Help me see. Help me sing. Here comes the glory of the Lord. Somebody prophesy to your situation.
give a wave offering to the king of glory right now somebody give a wave offering to the king of glory right now oh I just heard the Lord say he's been waiting on you to give him glory now he's about to invade your situation I don't know who that's for, but he's about to invade the situation. And your glory is what he's been waiting on. When you gave it to him, he's about to invade. Oh, God. Oh, God. Somebody breathe in strength right now. You've been weary. You've been tired, you've been exhausted, you have been fatigued, and I hear the Lord saying, I'm putting my breath back in you again. has been the precursor for the glory about to come you've been looking at what's wrong and you failed to see what's coming but today Holy Spirit has come the glory of the Lord has come into this room So I say strength to you in the name of Jesus. I say boldness to you in the name of Jesus. I say confidence to you in the name of Jesus. I say peace to you in the name of Jesus. I say rest to you in the name of Jesus. I say provision to you in the name of Jesus.
the south and east and the west, and it's going to blow your mind with the transition and the shift of what I'm going to release if you'll be faithful to contend for my glory. CEO in the name of every businessman, every businesswoman. I thank you that insurance is turning around. I thank you that that headhunting is turning around. I thank you that home improvement places are turning around. I thank you that beauty salons are turning around. I thank you that beauty salons are turning around. I felt that again. I thank you that beauty salons are turning around in the name of Jesus. I thank you that cleaning companies are turning around. I thank you that management companies are turning around. I thank you, God, right now for everything you're doing. We contend for your glory, not just in this room, but every room we walk in, oh God. Uh, the Lord said, I've called you to be a prophet. So when you walk in on Monday and things seem shaky, in your heart, in your spirit, go, mm, here comes the glory of the Lord. <laughs> Instead of prophesying over the shakiness, you've got to see the goodness of the Lord that on the other side of the shaking absolutely is the glory in a greater release. God Almighty. God Almighty. You're the God Almighty. You're the Lord mighty in battle. Right there, there, that business. Prophesy, Vince, one more time. Here he comes. Right now. Here comes heaven. Say here. Here comes heaven. Oh, here comes
time other believers that your voice is saying, Here comes the glory. Here comes the glory of the Lord. Said, Here comes the glory. Listen, make sure you take that with you wherever you go this week, wherever you go, to your job, to your home, wherever it may be. Deuteronomy 111, throw that up for me, please. Thank you. May the Lord God of your fathers increase you a thousand times more than you are and fulfill every promise he has given you. Be blessed. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next week. Amen.